You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Go to riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here's today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. All right, so we want to focus on Easter and Christ's resurrection, so I have a video to, to kick it off here. Christians all over the world gather today to remember and celebrate the events of a certain weekend 2,000 years ago. It was a weekend filled with darkness, violence, and trial, and yet it brought a hope into the world that continues to echo through history. It all begins at the start of the first millennium with the birth of a child. Jesus Christ is born into the world, heralded by angels fulfilling prophecy and bringing hope. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Throughout his childhood, Jesus is revealed to have great wisdom and understanding, but most amazingly, he is perfect in every way. Thirty years later, Jesus enters into public ministry. For three years, he performs miracles in the name of God. He heals the sick, cares for the poor, and teaches with authority. But when he claims to be God, there's anger, there's disbelief, and finally, plans for his death. Spring, 33 AD, it's Passover in Jerusalem. The city is flooded with people. Sunday morning at the edge of the city, followers of Jesus line the streets to welcome their king and their savior with shouts of joy. But tensions build through the week as Jesus confronts the corrupt Jewish leaders and preaches the coming judgment of man. Thursday night, Jesus gathers his disciples together for supper. He speaks of death, betrayal, and love. Later that night, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prays in earnest to his heavenly Father to the point that blood mixed with sweat falls from his brow. He's then arrested, and a series of trials take place throughout the night that have nothing to do with justice. He's brought before the Jewish leaders. Their questions are filled with scorn and their words with hate. His words could not be more true, but they beat him for speaking lies. Friday morning, though he is proclaimed innocent, By the Roman governors, the shouts of the crowd force Pilate's hand, and Jesus is sentenced to be crucified. By 9 a.m., Jesus had been beaten severely and then nailed to a cross of wood on a hill outside of Jerusalem. He hangs there for three hours while the powers of the day mock and insult him further. His few words speak of love and anguish, sorrow grace. At noon, darkness covers the land for three hours. Then, just moments before he dies, Jesus speaks words of ultimate finality and purpose. He has done what he came to do. But three days later, on the day now known as Easter Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead 
and began speaking to his followers once again, reminding them that this had all been God's magnificent plan to bring forgiveness and grace to all who would believe. And they rejoiced greatly, and they continued to do so across the globe and through the centuries to this very Easter Sunday when we gather together once again to remember and to celebrate the gracious work and the hope-filled words of Jesus the Christ who is alive and reigning and will one day come again. All right, that was a great video timeline to put everything into perspective. After 20 years and 21 years of ministry, I've had an opportunity to talk a lot about Easter and different things of Easter to prove the resurrection and to talk about all of these things. And so I was, I was, I was praying about it. I came up with uh, seven things that really matter, seven things that if you have Christ in your life will change your life. First Peter 1, 1 Peter uh, 1.1, so I'll be in First Peter chapter 1. And I'll be living, using the, the New Living Translation for everything today. We don't have an official Bible version. Our Bible quizzers use the NIV 2011. And I want to just mention the New Living Translation for a minute. So it is our duty, Jesus has called us to make disciples, to proclaim Christ everywhere, uh, to our neighbors, to people in diff- to our coworkers, to people that live in different places. So with the New Living Translation, it came out in 1996. And when it did, it had a square logo that's the old edition, and since then it had been updated, a major, major revision in 2007. And when that happened, they changed the logo from a square to a diamond. So if it looks like a baseball diamond, that's the newer edition. And then in 2013, there was an update. 2015, there was an update, and you can find that in the copyright of the Bibles that you're looking at. They do this with all, almost all the Bibles. Uh, the English Standard Version has been updated numerous times. Uh, in 2016, they said they're not going to update it anymore, and then they rethought that. And they're like, no, we'll probably update it again. And it's not just a way to sell more Bibles. It's a way to make the text clear. The Bible scholars go back, and they're like, you know, a better way to say this is, a better understanding of this is, a way to put this so that people can understand it is. And so I'm going to use the New Living Translation, and we are on uh, Highway 25. We're at the very bottom of it. And if you go straight up 25 to Monticello, Our sister church, Riverside Church, is way bigger, and they're leading tons of people to Christ, and they had chosen the New Living Translation recently as their pew Bible. And so when we look at different Bible translations, I don't want you to get confused, and I don't want you to get angry, and I don't want you to look and compare and go, well, you know, mine says this. Because what we're looking at is we're looking at word pictures from the Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic that make sense to us today. So sometimes theological words get changed, and it's great to have a lot of different Bible translations, and I know that you do on your phones and your tablets and in your homes and things like that, but the question we have to ask ourselves is, how are we communicating to the people around us? How are we communicating so that people's lives will change, so that they will understand and walk away, uh, understanding and applying it to their lives? So many times we throw out these theological words, and people don't even bother to look it up. They're like, I don't know what that meant. I don't even care, and they just move on. So what we want to do is do everything that we can to be effective at proclaiming Christ, which means that you're probably going to have a bunch of different Bible translations that you like to use, and you're going to use the tools that are available online. Sometimes you're going to look at the Greek word or the Hebrew word to see all the different ways it was used. Bible commentaries are often awesome, but I just want you to know that uh, there's many tools out there. And so Chuck Swindoll, somebody that I've greatly appreciated basically all of my life, 
has chosen in his church and for his commentaries to use the New Living Translation. Uh, Josh McDowell and a bunch of other people uh, are using it. So it's a fair tool to use. The other Bible versions are great too. And sometimes we use the NIV or the ESV or the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, What's really interesting is if you compare the New Living Translation with the New American Standard Bible, the 95 edition, they're very close to each other. So of that out of the way, uh, Peter starts out his letter in 1 Peter. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. So it's from Peter. Peter's the one who denied Jesus. Peter's the one who took a sword and cut off that guy's ear, and Jesus had to put it back. Peter was the one who was just really out there, and God is using Peter to encourage these Christians who are persecuted, these Christians who are persecuted for their faith. In France, I guess, thousand churches a year have been burned, and they're not really saying a whole lot about it. There's persecution all around. Maybe you don't feel persecuted, but maybe you feel sometimes depressed, maybe sometimes you feel anxious. Maybe sometimes you feel that people don't understand your Christian faith. Maybe sometimes you feel distant from God. And this would apply to you too. But when Jesus died on that cross and rose again, it opened the door for us to have an experience of a lifetime and an eternal uh, perspective on life and great rewards that follow. John wrote about the haves and the have-nots. You know, there's people out there that have and have not. Sometimes the people that have a lot get called out. Like I noticed recently on Instagram, there's a special account for preacher sneakers, which they like have pictures of these pastors that happen to have like $3,000 collector Nikes or something that they're wearing. So I'm currently sporting a $69 pair. So I don't think I'm going to show up on that site. But there's people that have and there's people that have not. And there are certain things that we want and there are certain things that we don't really care about. But this is an important thing to have. And John writes in 1 John, Jesus, or John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. So actually, Jesus had the inner three, Peter, James, and John, who were his, his closest three out of the disciples. But John writes, this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have believed upon Him, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you have eternal life. And if you know that you have eternal life, that will make a difference in how you live your life now. You will step out in faith and you will do all that you can to honor and to serve the Lord because you have Jesus Christ in your life. So this message is for those who have. If you have not, then your sins are still going to be counted against you and someday you'll stand before God and you'll have no excuse because you heard the message that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that died on the cross for our sins and He rose again and that by repenting of our sin and believing on Him, we can be saved. Uh, We can do that even just by asking. Uh, Prayer is a good way to ask, Lord Jesus. Praying something like, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and that You died on the cross for my sins. Please Forgive me of my sin and come into my life and save me. I want to follow you. Is a great way. If you mean it, if that's what you want to do, that's a great way to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So the rest of this message is for the haves. If you have not, this is what you're missing out on. All right? If you have Jesus, then number one, you have the Holy Trinity on your side. So you have God the Father who loves you and cares for you. And the Bible talks about foreknowing and predestining and 
He's outside of time, obviously. He knows how you're going to respond, yet he still holds you accountable to receive Christ. God the Father has this relationship or wants to have a relationship with you in Christ. Your heavenly Father has a relationship with you. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his Spirit made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. So being made holy is sanctification, being set apart to God, and it's a continual process. We'll be made more and more like Jesus as time goes on until he returns, and then we're perfect, perfect glorified body, fully sanctified, but we're all in a process. And some of you are in a farther along in the process than others, and we should be patient with those who are coming along in the process somewhere along the way, growing in Christ. But so we have the Holy Spirit who helps us to understand Scripture and gives us power for ministry. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicted us of sin and showed us our need for Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who came to teach us how to live, and then he died on the cross for our sin, and then he rose again, and he's going to return someday. So the Trinity is hard to understand, but we know that the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Spirit is God, but the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Father, but the Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God. And we have a relationship with the triune God who cares for us in every way and wants to see us succeed in the Christian life, wants to help us as we go through each day with all of our troubles. We can go to, him, go to them in prayer uh, so many times. Uh, the, in Hebrews, it says that Jesus is able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses because he was tempted in every way. So he has been lonely. He has been rejected. He has been hungry. He has had needs. And he understands the stuff that we're going through. We can pray to Jesus. The Heavenly Father cares about us in every way. We can pray to our Heavenly Father. The Holy Spirit helps us and empowers us, and we can pray that the Holy Spirit will, will help us. When we come to the, open our Bibles, we can pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to understand what we're reading, show us what we need to see, help us to understand or help us to uh, effectively teach others. So my grandson is staying with us, and so yesterday we were watching the Superbook, the new Superbook edition or version of Jesus Christ dying on the cross and being resurrected, and he's like almost six. And so he was asking all sorts of questions like, why is that Jesus? Why is he dirty? Actually, he was bloody because of the cross. Why does he look like that? Why is he on the cross? And I tell you, I've been a pastor for all these years, but in my mind, it's really hard to explain to an almost six-year-old all this stuff, so I just kind of went for it and hope that something sticks. But um, we can pray, and the Holy Spirit will often help us. There's been times where I've been with people, and I felt led to share Christ, and I didn't really know what I was going to say or how it was going to turn out. And then I felt like I was just watching myself, especially when I start, first got serious about sharing my faith before I went to Bible college and all that other stuff. I would share these things and these verses that I remembered and everything, and it was just absolutely amazing. And I just thought to myself, man, the Holy Spirit really kicked in there. That was really awesome. And the same is true for you, too. If you are faithful to show, I say this all the time, but if you're faithful to show up, the Holy Spirit will kick in and help you to be successful in what He's called you to do. If He's called you to serve Him in a way, if He's called you to share a message, if He's called you to encourage or sometimes even correct or rebuke somebody in love, Uh, The Holy Spirit will help you to do that, but you just need to ask and you just need to show up and then the Holy Spirit will kick in. A lot of times when you're sitting there thinking, should I, shouldn't I, uh, you don't get that Acts 1-8 power that you get otherwise that the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be witnesses. So you got to show up. You got to be faithful. You got to be living the right life. 
uh, trying to stay free from sin and trying to pursue Christ. And you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in your corner, helping you live the Christian life, preserving you, getting you through. You know, you might face persecution. Somebody might kill you for your faith, but God is protecting your soul. And you will be able to get through this life into eternity. And you might go through, through some hard things. You might go through some difficult times. But the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit can get you through. Number two, you live with great expectation because of the power of Christ's resurrection. First Peter 1.3 All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, great hope. So the things in our life are changed when we're living in Christ. The things that are the things that we value the most, the things that we desire, the things that we hope, the things that we live for have changed because of our relationship in Jesus Christ. And as we live in this great expectation, we know that God can do what he says he's going to do in his word. We know that God can do what he's called us to do. We know that if he's called us to make disciples, that obviously it must be a real thing. So we need to pray about what tool should we, we, should we be using? What method should we use? How should we do it? And really, the best way to start to disciple someone is to just come alongside them, see where they're at, and then to help them come along. In the Billy Graham School of Evangelism, they teach you that you don't need to be way ahead of the person you're trying to help grow in Christ. You just need to be a step ahead and know where you're going. And again, back to the How to Find God New Testament. There is a ton of resources in the front that start with, who is God? How can I come into a personal relationship with God? What did Jesus do? Uh, Who are angels? Who are demons? Uh, How can I live a better Christian life? All these things are in the front and then through the, this $3 New Testament that we give away. So we've got some on the back table we want you to give away. I have shelves full of them at home that I'd love for you to give away so that we can help people come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But we praise God because it was His plan to send Jesus. And then Jesus came willingly, and He lived as He was supposed to, and then He died when He was supposed to, and He knew that He was coming. He kept telling His disciples over and over again that this is going to happen, and His disciples didn't really get it until after the fact, but Jesus did everything that He was supposed to to make it possible for us to be made right with God. Jesus did everything that He needed so that we could have this relationship and that we could live for eternity in His presence with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. And it's all because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So the resurrection is huge. The resurrection is the thing that made it official, made it show Jesus had the power. If Jesus came and he said, well, you know, this is eternal life and you can, you can follow me and I'll help you get eternal life. And then he just died and we never heard from him again. There wouldn't be any authority on that. But he is the first of those who would be raised from the dead and all of those who believe in him are next. Paul wrote that in 1 Corinthians 15. He starts out with, this is the good news you heard and believed. This is the gospel. Gospel, good news, same, same thing. This is the gospel that you heard and believed upon, and by believing on this, you're saved. And then Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, I passed on to you what was most important and what has also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as Scripture said. He was seen by Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. So Paul, 
gives this testimony. And this is what our faith is based upon, is Jesus Christ rising from the dead. And there are so many great books and so many great things that you could read if you want evidence for that. Evidence Demands a Verdict is a good one, Josh McDowell. There's a bunch of things on Right Now Media, that free video service that we offer. So Kyle Eidelman has the Easter experience, which is really good. You could watch that. Uh, there's some other uh, faith forensics things that's on there that you could find. If you're asking certain questions and you want to find answers, I could probably point you to some good resources. So then in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul summarizes why the resurrection is so huge, why it's so important, why our faith is based upon it. Verse 17, he writes, and this is actually, he writes this, but he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So this is God-breathed. Paul is taking the ideas and putting it down, and this is what became Scripture. Verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, that would be Adam, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man, that would be Jesus. So we know that when we die, we go into the presence of the Lord. Resurrection is huge. Resurrection is the defining thing of a Christian life because to live the Christian life and then to die would be good. We could do a lot of good things. I would bet that if we lived Christian principles and then just died and ceased to exist, that our lives would still be better than if it wasn't that way. But everything takes a total, totally different perspective when we think that, okay, my life right here is just this little sliver of time, this little speck of time compared to eternity. So what I do today matters. What I do today has eternal significance, has eternal uh, rewards. People could be impacted by my life and spend eternity with Christ if I'm faithful to serve Him and I step up and I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit to make a difference. So then number three, you have an eternal inheritance being kept for you. 1 Peter 1.4, we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. There's nothing on this earth that is beyond the reach of change and decay. I mean, we could like stack up a bunch of gold, but then it might become worthless someday. Uh, we could stack up a bunch of money, and we all know that that currency could change any time. Just look at Venezuela. Um, but this eternal inheritance that is kept for you can make a huge difference in our life. And if we look at some of the things on the list of what we inherit, uh, I found this in a Bible commentary, which is really awesome, uh, the things they've listed. Uh, we are adopted as sons of God. We are being made blameless. We are being given eternal life. We are going to be given a glorious body. We'll have eternal rest and peace and given the blessings of the Lord. Uh, we have and are being given the knowledge of Christ Jesus and durable riches and righteousness. Um, there's this huge list with Bible verses to go with all of it. There's rewards, a crown of incorruption, a crown of righteousness, a crown of life, a crown of glory. You know, a lot of times we get awards or rewards, and so it sits on our shelf. We've got a Bible quizzing shelf in the ministry center, which is awesome. I like it when the Bible quizzers bring home the hardware. So, And we've got years of trophies from Bible quizzing, and that's awesome. And so it's not the trophies that I value. As a matter of fact, I could probably run to the pawn store or pawn shop, get a bunch of trophies, take off the bowling thing or whatever and put on, you know, like a Bible quizzing thing and just make up trophies. So it's not that. It's what it represents. It represents the work. It represents 
the competition and the awards that they got for the work that they did. And the same is true in our life, that to be recognized by Jesus, to be that well-done, good and faithful service, servant, and you sacrifice this, I'm giving you a reward for this, I'm going to give you these opportunities. When we spend eternity with the Lord, the Bible talks about some things that we might be able to experience as rewards. Uh, we'll, we'll be made exalted beings, uh, being made ruler over many things, uh, being given the kingdom of God being given a position of rule and authority, eternal responsibility and joy, um, privileges surrounding the throne of God, all these things. And then our provision, uh, the wealth or whatever that we need, will be there and it is protected. We can store up treasures in heaven. Uh, We're not supposed to be shedding any tears or being disappointed, but it appears that there'll be certain people that are enjoying eternity with different rewards and different levels of privilege and things than others. And it's a great study to look at, you know, those people that have sacrificed so much in this little time frame for what they have in eternity. We're actually going to look at that in the future uh, when we talk about Jesus Christ as our coming King. But being kept means it's being guarded. It's protected. And no matter what happens in our life, if we're persecuted, uh, if we if we die, uh, it is all kept for us because God keeps our soul, and protects us, but an eternal inheritance being kept for us. All that we need will be there for us, and we can trust the Lord in that, and that is so awesome. Number four, you have the assurance of salvation. Assured, like John said, knowing that we have eternal life. First Peter 1.5, through your faith, God is protecting you by His power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Now, if I have an insurance policy, and so I paid the insurance and I have the insurance card and everything and I show up at the hospital and it's really bad. And so they, they put me in the hospital and they do all this stuff. And so I have an insurance card. Uh, then they do all this stuff and I'm like, I don't know how much the bill's going to be. That's going to be really bad. And then I then get the bill and it says, you know, $400,000 for all this stuff. And then it says insurance payment paid in full. That's when I truly realize the effect of my insurance is when it actually paid for something. So I go on to promise that insurance is going to pay for this stuff, and I hope it does. Uh, I don't really have a choice. It's like, do this or die. So, And then they bill you whatever they bill you, and then it comes back paid in full. And the same thing is true with our salvation. When we are standing before God and people are being rejected, uh, depart from me, I never knew you, Jesus will say to some, and then we're being saved. We're in the presence of the Lord. We are uh, spending eternity... In, with the joy of the Lord and all the things for that, that's when we'll truly realize our salvation. When Jesus returns on that last day, we're all to see there will be a day when we truly realize. We, we are, we are, when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're positionally saved. As we go through life, we say, are you saved or are you not saved? Uh, because we receive Christ, we're, we say we're saved and we realize our salvation on that day. And what a great day that will be. What a great thing to know that we are saved. It's a great thing to walk in this, do the things that we do on this earth and know that if something happens, I'm saved. If life doesn't turn out as I hoped, if hard times hit, if difficulties happen, at least I know I'm saved. At least I know that Jesus is there for me and He is going to help me through the difficulties, through the trials, through the difficulties of life. And number five, your temporary trials have a purpose and joy fills your future. Everybody goes through trials. 
Trials can help you to grow in your Christian faith. Trials can help you to prove that you're a Christian. When things come your way and you choose to do the things that you know God wants you to do, even though it might not be as fun or inconvenient or maybe there's even a fear of harm or whatever, um, it proves or it shows that you're truly a Christ follower. First Peter 1.6, So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. So just like we talked, uh, talked about a week ago or so in, in James, the same thing. The trials are temporary. You go through a trial now or a difficulty and you know it's temporary. It's not going to be there forever. It might be hard. It might be painful. It might be difficult. It might cause fear in your life, but it might cause you to grow closer to God. It might cause you to grow in your faith. It might cause you to reevaluate your life and your perspective and what you're doing. So difficulty in your life can actually change your life. When you get the diagnosis that you have cancer, it might put you closer to God. It might help you to be more effective sharing your faith. It might help you totally change your perspective and live a better life in Christ than you were before before you got that diagnosis. And God could choose to heal you. God could choose to allow you to go through the medical stuff or God could choose to take you home. Those are things God could choose to do for you. As a matter of fact, uh, God chose to take our friend Mike, uh, who died of brain cancer in this church, um, home. And the Adopt-A-Highway thing for that is coming up like May 6th or something on a Saturday. So if you wanted to help that. But out on the highway, it says, the highway is adopted by friends of Mike Jacobs. But his faith was strong to the end. His faith was, um, he shared Christ with the, pe- with the medical people and he hoped that God would heal him. And God chose not to. So now he's in heaven, uh, in the presence of the Lord. Be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So not only do your trials affect your life and show your faith in Christ, but people look at you in the midst of those trials and you might be drawing them to Christ. They might see your deep faith in Christ as you go through all these hard things, all these life-destroying, tragic, difficult things. And people are like, how can they keep reaching out and praising God and proclaiming God when they're going through that? I can't imagine that, but it must be a true faith. How can I have true faith like that? So God uses temporary trials to help you grow in your faith, to glorify Him, and to impact other people around you. Number six, you love and trust Jesus even though... Even though you haven't seen him yet. So Peter's writing this, and he's seen Jesus. He's been with Jesus. But he knows the people that he's writing to that are suffering persecution and going through all this stuff. They've never seen Jesus face to face. Yet he knows that there's great reward for those people that follow after Jesus. Uh, when doubting Thomas didn't want to believe in Jesus until he saw his nail-pierced hands, um, Jesus said, you know, blessed are those who haven't seen me that believe in me. You know, you, you saw me, but blessed are those that haven't actually seen me face to face yet. First Peter 1.8, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. So we love and trust him in a way that changes our behavior. We choose to do things. I think that's actually the next point. Uh, you choose to obey God's will. If I really love my wife, I want to do things that please her. I want to figure out what she wants me to do, and I want to please her in every way. First Peter 1.13, So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. 
So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. So if all of this is real, all of this is happening, all of this because of Christ's resurrection and the Holy Spirit and God the Father and God the Son in you, and all this stuff happening for your salvation and your sanctification and all these things, then you are going to want to obey God's will. And when you don't, you're going to feel bad about it. You're going to say, uh, you know, I'm just not where I need to be with God. I feel so bad about that. And you're going to confess that. Like 1 John 1, nine says to confess your sins and um, ask Him to forgive you of those, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Uh, so it's that daily confession of any known sin. But to obey, to choose to do the things that you know God wants you to do, even though there's other things that might be more fun or uh, sometimes you're caught up in distractions or sometimes you're caught up in things that lead to addiction and you just need somebody to come alongside you and help you out of that pit, help you out of that hole. But if all this is happening, if Christ's resurrection is real, you're going to choose to obey what God's will is and you'll be finding that as you're spending time in God's Word and growing in Him. So we want to help you live well lives. We want to help you be worshipers, encouragers. We want to keep you learning and want you to be loving. So next week when we get together, Dan's going to share how to get more out of your Bible. And then we're going to talk about being secure in Jesus our Savior, transformed by Jesus our Sanctifier, preserved by Jesus our Healer, and prepared for Jesus our coming King. As the worship team comes up, we'll close with an with a encouragement here by video. We have a bunch of hope cards for you to share, and we'd love for you to share these Bibles and hand these out. But I know that I talk fast, but if I can do anything to encourage you in your Christian life, if we could get together, I'll pay for your coffee or your dinner or whatever. I would love to invest in you and help you to live a Christian life, help you to get on track and become all that God has created you to become and to help clear up any misunderstandings that you might have or maybe I even created, I don't know. But watch this quick video and then the worship team will lead us in a song of praise. This is a new day, a day of celebration. For God has given us a new birth, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. He's rescued us from the darkness. He's brought us out of despair. In Him we have redemption. In Him we have mercy. In Him we have forgiveness. Today we stand in Christ a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Today we celebrate our Savior our Deliverer, our Redeemer. Sin is conquered. Death is defeated. The grave is empty. And Jesus is alive. This is a new day. This is Easter. Thanks for listening. It would be great if you would let us know how you were encouraged by this message. We invite you to visit River Rock Church 10 a.m. Sundays at 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. You can connect with us, find more messages to listen to, and get resources to help you grow in your faith at riverrockchurch.com.